Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And we are continuing our deep dive in our month-long series into the blockchain, which is a really exciting technology. We've been talking all about um, how it was born, um, how long it's been around, and what solutions it's providing for a number of businesses and where it's going to go. And so today, we're going to talk to the fabulous Christina Dolan, who is the co-founder and CEO and COO and now has... Even more new roles for IX Ledger, which is an alternative blockchain marketplace for insurance with an economic layer in there, which is so exciting. And she's founder of Inside Change, which works with organizations to help them digitally transform through blockchain ecosystems. So we're really going to start to dig into how this is all really being applied to the real world. So let's have a big tech cat welcome for Christina Dolan. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lori. The audience goes wild. So, Christina, you have such an interesting background. So so set the stage for us because you have a a big association with MIT Media Labs. And even people who aren't um, tech nerds have heard about MIT's Media Labs. So tell us about your background and sort of how you surfaced into this this blockchain world. Well, thank you, Lori, and thanks for the opportunity to be on your show. Um, I'm an engineer that was very, very fortunate to have been at the MIT Media Lab right at the time that the web browser came out. And uh, it was interesting because at that time, I don't think the entertainment companies were really convinced that the internet was going to be as uh, disruptive as it turned out to be. And I went on to be the uh, head of technology at Hearst for the first consumer websites, then at Disney. And from there, um, well, what's interesting about that time was that um, the business models were not quite working. Uh, you were know, paying huge uh, CPMs for eyeballs, places like Yahoo, and selling their own ads for a fraction of that, uh, while many of the eyeballs they acquired weren't quite generating revenue. And what's interesting is that if you, if you fast forward, uh, it, it took a, a bit of time to get to the point where Google and Facebook actually uh, developed really very interesting models. So from from uh, Disney and Hearst, I went over to Oracle, which was actually developing a secure layer that enabled secure transactions that enabled yet yeah, the next generation of the internet, which was you know the Web 2.0, which was e-commerce. And what's interesting was that uh, people thought, ooh, that e-commerce, uh, who's going to shop online, right? Right, right. <laughs> which, of course, was also very disruptive. I went on to be a um, co-founder of a company called OneMain. We did a very successful IPO, and then it was acquired by a, uh, a strategic company called, uh, a strategic competitor called uh, Earthlink. And then from there, I sort of um, moved over. Uh, I was CEO of a venture-backed uh, company in the AI space. It was started by uh, some folks from uh, MIT Harvard. And then from there, I moved into the uh, fintech space, uh, went to an institutional financial software company that was focused on financial, you know, traditional financial training across all asset classes and, and globally. And it was while I was there, they went back to the uh, MIT Media Lab for, I, mean, I think it was like 2011, where they were talking about Bitcoin and some of the capabilities that it had in its underlying architecture. And at that time, I don't think the word blockchain had actually evolved, but people were starting to notice that Bitcoin had this very interesting architecture that sort of locked data in and allowed for workflows to be visible and allowed for these mutable, trusted record to be stored in a distributed fashion in a way that that couldn't be changed and allowed for the technology to hold some level of trust. And it was from that point on that I realized, wow, this is going to be that next wave of disruption that I've seen in the past. And so I, I was very fascinated. I, I took a lot of, uh, I took online classes. I read everything I possibly could. I um, became involved with a number of organizations and, and spinoffs from MIT that were looking to utilize the technology to do some interesting things. And then eventually, um, about 14 months ago, I left uh, the company that I was working for and pursued blockchain 
opportunities. And it was in that journey that I met my two co-founders, um, Ingemar. Uh, Ingemar was actually working in the insurance space. He had formerly been the CTO at SunGuard. And Mikel, who was also in the financial space, and, and we co-founded uh, IX Ledger as a marketplace for insurance on the blockchain. Wow, that that is an exciting history. That is an exciting history. Um, when when you talk about thinking about a particular business category to dive into, um, were you thinking about you know insurance like way back, or is it just because of all these different factors that led you to that? Well, it's interesting because um, I had been working in uh, with with the chairman of one of the car data companies, and in in working in that space, I started to recognize how valuable data is and the fact that you need a lot of data about assets in order to be able to finance or insure them, right? Because you can't even finance unless you have something insured. And the people who have data don't give it away. Um, It's becoming harder and harder to aggregate data behind a firewall because there's a lack of trust, right? And so um, it was that moment that I recognized the insurance space requires a lot, a lot of data. And the people who have the data don't necessarily just want to give it up. And blockchain facilitates the ability to take little shards of data that may be owned by a number of providers that may be either good partners or frenemies, but allows them to control the access to that data, but allow it to be accessible to an entity that needs to assemble all these little shards in order to execute a transaction. Um, I, I love that idea of trust too because trust has come up so much um, obviously with everything going on with Facebook and you know even YouTube and all the different digital platforms so you know it is is do you think there's it's a coincidence right now that trust is such a big issue and that blockchain is sort of becoming a a word and expression that regular people know now I mean you've been in this industry for a while but we all are starting to understand it now. It's, in, it's sort of in the in the current. Is is that because of what's happening with with security and privacy? Well, it's interesting. That's that's very insightful of you, Lori. Because one of the things that um, has caught my attention is that um, you know trust in, in overall ever since the financial crisis has gone down significantly. I mean, after nine eleven, I think everybody came together and there was a, a sense of trust in centralized organizations, but after the financial crisis, that sort of completely fell apart. And I think that it was, that was one of the many things that was going on at the time that allowed Bitcoin to ignite and engage people. Um, But if you look at like for things like, for example, the Edelman study that's come out um, every year, the, the trust that people have in, for example, financial systems or even insurance systems is very low, right? I mean, in general, when trust goes down, compliance and regulatory requirements go up. And that's expensive and it takes time. And so if you can utilize a technology that embeds trust, that means the cycle of contracting, earning, getting paid, and then using that money to pay somebody else is, is shorter, when you shorten that cycle, it's good for the economy. So it's actually much more effective to use a technology that uh, improves the speed of transactions through trust than it is to use economic easing and throwing all this money out and devaluing money. Now that, that's another great point because the other thing I keep reading about right now is how different countries are shutting down Bitcoin. Um, or they're shutting down companies that are pursuing it, um, and because of the of the, you know, the legislation and the regulatory issues, do you see that as being a continual issue, or do you think that'll sort of evaporate over time? So it's interesting you should say that because there's some countries that are totally embracing um, this technology, and there are other countries that don't understand it and they're fearful of it. And so while they'll shut down one one venue or one approach towards some type of exchange, um, there seems to be another outlet that people will pursue to um, utilize these technologies. I think the thing that people are not quite catching on to with respect to blockchain is that blockchain is not just sort of this linear, you know, stored value and pay for something based on, you know, uh, uh, a request for money, right? It's just not just a payment system, right? 
it, it's a technology that has many, many facets. And the, these elements that store information about a particular object, right, or, or whether you call them programmable money, for lack of a better word, um, can have many, many dimensions that, are, that allow somebody to utilize these tokens in an economy to, to motivate or to, um, you know, create certain parameters that control the use of that. So I'll give an example in the insurance space just to use a, a simple example. Um, parametric insurance is a sort of a newer type of insurance, and it's, it's easier to facilitate because you, it's data-driven, right? If these certain actions or activities or data um, is, is correct, then a payment of X is made, right, if, in fact, there is a loss, right? And so having the ability to embed the, the values by which this action or, or activity will take place is very efficient uh, in certain ecosystems, right? So, so when you think about these tokens as having these many, many dimensions and operating in these ecosystems where you have many players that want to control their data and want to control the transactions and what's going on with respect to their customers, all of a sudden the dynamics and the business rules start to change. And so it's not really about is a coin regulated or not. It's really about the fact that you have all these things that are going on in the world about trust and the value of data and the liabilities of not handled data correctly um, that are motivating this new type of architecture that's driving new business models. And so whether or not the coins get regulated or not regulated is not going to stop the momentum. It just means that uh, people and organizations and entities will find new ways to utilize this technology to take advantage of the trend so that they're not disintermediated by people who innovate around them. Huh. Um, that That is fascinating because um, I am seeing a lot of people sort of running to blockchain now, and I think it's being driven by that very concept by fear that if they don't jump on board the next thing, but I don't think they totally understand it yet. But we have to take a quick break. We've been talking to Christina Dolan, who is the co-founder, COO of IX Ledger, which is an alternative blockchain marketplace for insurance. And we're digging into where blockchain is really going to take us. So we're going to be back in a moment with Christina, getting more insight on the future of the blockchain. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN. CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIO Talk Network. Dot com. 
get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And you are joining us during our month-long series on the blockchain. And we've been talking to Christina Dolan, who's the co-founder and COO of IX Ledger, which is a blockchain marketplace for insurance. But Christina's really an expert in where, where this industry is going. And I know she's heading off to do a number of keynotes about this space. But I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about what's going on with like why what, what's this, the whole thing about coins and tokens I know Bitcoin was sort of the first technology to come out of blockchain but why is everything moving forward being referred to in that sort of co- coin metaphor so it's interesting so because Bitcoin is the the, the great grandfather to all this innovation that the concept of a coin um, has sort of stuck with with people because obviously Historically, uh, coins have value and have represented value for thousands of years. Um, but what's interesting is that, so blockchain comes in two flavors. One has an economic layer and the other one doesn't. And um, the one that doesn't is able to track an entity, um, it would, you know, track the workflows associated with that entity and all the information associated with that entity. Um, and whether you call that a token or not, it still represents an entity. In the and the blockchains that actually have um, economic layers, for lack of a better word, um, the, these tokens can be considered a token that has um, a variety of different values that may not necessarily be economic, or it's basically considered a security in which the um, regulatory bodies in a variety of different jurisdictions have sort of stepped in to figure out how to define the, the, the these elements, but but in essence they are a representation of value. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be monetary value. Um, I mean, kids have seen these kinds of tokens in um, video games. I mean, this latest generation, which I think they call Generation Eight or Nine, um, where kids play Roblox and they spend all this time building these communities and engaging their friends from the inside out. Their reward system is digital, right? It's pride. It's it's a number of other elements that aren't necessarily monetary. And so the idea that these tokens have many, many dimensions that are part of that ecosystem is what differentiates them from traditional money. What about the, um, I, I know I was looking at some of the content that you shared with me and, and you were, you know, going back to kids, you were talking about how, you know, tokens have um, sort of token economics program human behavior. Um, can you talk a little bit about that too? Because that's a, that's really fascinating. Well, that's an interesting topic because you know, for first tokens um, were kind of used uh, in the 1800s to program people, prisoners, to get them to behave a certain way. So that if they exhibited certain behaviors over a period of time, they would earn a certain number of tokens, and then with those tokens, they would be rewarded with some something, I don't know, a beer or whatever that might be that they would reward prisoners. And it's still used today with autistic children and, you know, young children today. Um, I mean, even some parents, it's like if you pick up your clothes five days in a row, you can get an ice cream. <laughs> some kids fall <laughs> for that. But it actually, um, it does, it, you know, uh, engage the limbic, limbic system and human beings because humans like to to win. That's that's part of the nature of being human. And so what's interesting is the token systems, you know, these tokens in, in these ecosystems today play an interesting role because traditionally when a company goes out and tries to build a marketplace, right, it raises venture capital money, private equity money, it raises a lot of money. 
And it builds this platform and it spends a lot of that money on marketing to get people to engage in that platform. And then they have to be very clever because you, know, you think about things like an Uber marketplace or Airbnb in which you, know, you need to keep both sides of that marketplace engaged. And so if you don't have enough properties or enough drivers, then the people, you know, your, your customers that want to buy these, these services aren't going to keep coming back because their needs, needs are not met, right? So there's a lot of external marketing, clever marketing that goes into engaging both sides of that marketplace to keep everybody excited and engaged. When you think about these token environments in which the people within this or the entities within this environment play a role in creating and deriving economic or token or some sort of value from the participation in that ecosystem, it kind of means that they are driving the marketing, the engagement, the network effect from the inside out versus the traditional model of raising a lot of money and doing a lot of marketing to get certain behaviors to occur from the outside in. And this dynamic enables new business models as well. It changes the economics of how these things work. And so it's a very interesting evolution that's occurring. I mean, people often say that if Facebook came out today, that, um, you know, that the, the expectation would be that those creating the content would in some way be rewarded and they would have the ability to own their data, right? And there are other people that argue, like, how much money could you actually get from participating in that? Because these big companies make a lot of money from aggregated data, right? That's, that's where they generate the value. But that doesn't really matter because if there are other non-economic aspects of value that are derived from participating in these ecosystems, you still get the inside-out marketing effect, right? And that's very, very um, interesting, but also very, very disruptive, Right, and it also gives people, more people roles and impact than in the current, you know, scenarios which you were talking about, Um, because so many people think this is just something that's happening and maybe they're participating, but what you're saying is that everyone will have, community will have a bigger role in this than ever before. Exactly, exactly. And what becomes even more interesting, too, is that, you know, there are a lot of, systems and processes in place in which you have an intermediary that that owns the data, owns the processes, defines the processes. But in these new models, you know, it doesn't necessarily always have to work that way, right? And so as these new models evolve, um, intermediaries uh, may not have the same role they have today because there are other mechanisms by which to achieve the same goal um, in which a number of people may be involved and not just one entity uh, from an economic perspective. Uh, When you talk also about marketplaces, because I hear that a lot in these blockchain conversations, what, what does it exactly mean, the marketplace? Because, you know, the other conversation we were having before is, you know, there was the first generation, second generation, third generation. Can you sort of define for us what the marketplace means when we're talking about all this? It's a good point. So, you know, obviously when you travel through Europe, you know, one of the things that you see in these beautiful cities is the landscape of beautiful marketplaces in which, you know, shipping and they're by the, usually by waterways and um, usually they're a little empty now, but they might have some flowers in them. Um, that, that first generation Marketplace, which also had stores on most of the big avenues and big cities, um, was then replaced by, or I shouldn't say replaced, but um, you know, the next generation was the e-commerce that was facilitated through the internet, and that was available through this secured layer that that was developed as part of Web 2.0 uh, that made it possible to be able to shop online. And at first, people thought, oh, nobody's going to do that. I mean, everybody wants that experience of going to a store, right? Um, and then, of course, you know, you could see that, that e-commerce took off, and then we went to the third generation of marketplaces, and that was like the Ubers and the Airbnbs. And what's interesting is that if you talk to anybody who heard the first pitches from the innovators who came up with these, what they call shared models, um, they would say, wow, that's... 
that's really crazy. Who's going to get into a stranger's car or stay in you know, some stranger's house? And it's interesting because now you, you'll talk to people who are sort of uh, entrepreneurs and they'll say, oh, you know, my, my model is very similar to like the Ubers and Airbnbs, that shared model. And so it's, it's now an understood concept that that business model works, right? So now we're in this fourth generation, which I call sort of a peer-to-peer model. It's a decentralized model in which you don't necessarily have a centralized authority that owns all the data and facilitates all those transactions. And in that world, uh, I find that there's going to be an even greater amount of disruption because business models that we hold as being um, the only way to do things in today's world will will no longer be the only option. And so there will be a lot of disruption, a lot of disintermediation, both in terms of business processes, financial processes. And so it will be extremely disruptive, while it, I think it's also very hard to, to even conceive or understand in how this is evolving because it has so many dimensions to it that are hard to grasp. It's not just about whether or not a token is regulated or unregulated. There's so many more dimensions to this technology. Now, that's a really great layout of it. I was just thinking about, you know, walking to a French market and buying flowers and then how now I don't leave my house because I just do everything through Amazon. <laughs> and then now, now I'm doing everything through on-demand services. And so it's just really interesting, even from the consumer side, how our marketplaces are um, evolving, like the actual the result of all of this. Um, so we're going to have to take a break, but we're going to be back again with Christina Dolan, who's really taking us through all these uh, great insights on the blockchain and specifically sort of the underbelly of it, but a way to look at it that that is not so threatening and that that will create a lot of opportunities for everybody because so much of this new world, people are afraid their jobs are going to be taken away and the way that you talk about it is really creating a lot of great opportunities. So we'll be back in a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIO Talk Network. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. 
And we're back on the Tech Cat Show, and we've been getting the download on the blockchain from Christina Dolan, who is launching a company called IX Ledger, which is leveraging the blockchain for the insurance business and creating a new marketplace there. And Christina was just explaining to us sort of the metaphor for marketplaces and why we're in this next, this fourth generation, I guess, of marketplaces. But are there, are there other business categories that you think are going to really thrive in this blockchain scenario? Is there you know, a particular type of category that you think will light up because of all of this? That's a good question. I actually think there's a lot, and it's partially because we live in a world in which there's a lack of trust. You need a lot more data to transact, and we live in a world where there's a lot of complex ecosystems that require data, sensitive data that people own and want to control access to, right? And so everything from healthcare to, um, you know, assets. Uh, and, and also the, there's this trust element too. I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's been um, a number of organizations in the fintech space that have been dealing with settlement, for example, because after 2008, 2009, there were a lot of concerns with respect to the speed at which traditional financial securities were, were settled. And so there's been a tremendous amount of effort um, on that. And I think that what's going to evolve are, are new technologies to support the ab- uh, ability to um, transact with with securities in a way that um, allows uh, entities to control where and the custody of those those um, those assets I, I think that there's another aspect to this is the idea that instead of raising lots of money through traditional mechanisms to build out big big Systems. So, for example, there's um, there's one that's called um, Lampix that's actually crowdsourcing 3D images, um, and there's a community of people that earn tokens for utilizing this lamp that they've created to take 3D images uh, of objects, and therefore by creating this giant library of 3D images that can be used in AI. And to be able to do that the traditional way, you would actually have to go out and raise a lot of you know, venture capital and private equity money. But by doing it this way, in this incremental way in which the participants earn tokens uh, by participating in the platform, it enables the ability to grow from the inside out and then build this valuable library uh, through when to consider to be a little bit of a different business model. And so it's, it's these different approaches to uh, utilizing um, the technology for engaging economies, uh, engaging uh, ecosystems, and, and defining different mechanisms by which people participate in that environment and get rewarded for their work. Do you think, um, just because... Uh you know, the some of the third world countries, you know, don't quite have marketplaces and economies well established that blockchain will come in and sort of light those on fire because they haven't been able to play in, in the current networks. Um, is blockchain going to solve a lot of that problem, you know, simplify maybe or at least let them engage deeper? Well, it's interesting because there are a number of countries that are actually trying to utilize blockchain for trust and visibility. Um, I mean, because there's obviously been um, scenarios like one that's used in by a lot of people in their talks about Honduras and how there were some government officials who went over to the registry and erased the ownership of um, certain plots of land and went over and built themselves these incredible homes on the water or something to that effect. Um, and the ability to use blockchain to prevent something like that from happening, right? And so um, th- this whole concept of having government systems that f- facilitate the ability to create immutable uh, records that cannot be um, in any way tampered with is, is something that a number of countries are actually approaching. 
uh, you know, unfortunately, though, <laughs> is that you have to have uh, a mechanism by which to create a number of nodes so that some centralized authority doesn't own one or two nodes, call it a blockchain, and then go in and change all the information on those nodes. So I think the architecture has to be representative of what <laughs> blockchain requires in order to have immutable records. But I think that there are a number of, of countries that are trying to create um, these immutable records. It's interesting, um, there's an example of uh, uh, an interesting application in which um, things like you know car insurance, registration, and a driver's license are records that are immediately placed onto a blockchain so that if people are pulled over, um, that QR code on a phone could be presented to a police officer and by uh, just utilizing that QR code, they have access to a record to make sure that all three pieces of information are both are all correct and that they're still valid, right? So it reduces the amount of time required to sort of validate all that information when somebody's pulled over. So utilizing the technology in order to be able to validate records quickly and efficiently and also make sure that people can't tamper with them has tremendous value. And there are a number of countries kind of to your point that really haven't had that much infrastructure in place for certain types of records that are exploring this as a mechanism by which to um, create uh, more transparency, less corruption, and, you know, better access to um, to the required information. I, I, I love um, hearing the promise of where all of this is going. Now, my question for you is, how do you personally keep up with all of this? Because, you know, when you're when you're in a, a sort of new media or new technology, that's not new for you because you've been playing with it, but now it's sort of exploding on the marketplace. How, how do you tell what's real and what's not real? You know, are you getting up every day and reading tons of newsletters and tweets and things? Like, what's your sort of approach to, to staying on top of this? Well, that's a good question because I think uh, those of us in the space are always fearful that we don't, you know, have enough information and that we're not on top of everything. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to have graduated from MIT and I have a lot of really smart friends, and I stay very close to um, the the school and some of the people doing interesting things. And so the MIT Media Lab obviously brought the Bitcoin Foundation into the lab when um, it was in need of some funding, and so it has a digital currency group. Um, and in addition to that, the uh, MIT Tech Review actually creates this chain letter that it, it puts out that has some very interesting data points in terms of what's going on um, you know, throughout the world with respect to these digital currencies and, and blockchain. I also, um, I, I, I'm the, now the vice chair, I was the former chair of the MIT Enterprise Forum, and we put together some very interesting um, panels, uh, and I always try to pick panels on areas in which there are people who are, are very insightful on certain aspects of technology. Uh, as you had mentioned earlier, I also uh, speak a lot, and I'm on a lot of panels, and one of the things I find is that when I'm on a panel with other folks who are um, in the space, the conversations we have on the side in terms of, well, how are you dealing with this? And, you know, well, you're coming up with this issue, those conversations that take place with people in, in uh, these uh, events and, and uh, panels are actually very, very educational. I also read a lot. I mean, uh, two books I would highly recommend is Crypto Assets by uh, Jack Tatar and his uh, co-author uh, Chris and The Truth Machine by Michael Casey. Michael Casey is a... Uh, is an advisor at the MIT Media Lab at the uh, you know, Digital Currency Group. But those are two great books, and Michael actually has a couple of other books that um, are, are very well written and give you a, a good intro on the space. But it's, it's a space in which you feel like you have to be reading every nanosecond of the day. And, um, you know, Coindesk actually has a, uh, probably one of the best publications, and, and they have an event in May called Consensus. Ooh, that one sounds good. Um, is that one for people that are deeply involved in the game already, or could that be for newbies who want to jump in? Um, I, I think it could be for both. I mean, obviously, it's um, it's relate. You know, it has 
uh, it's part of Coindesk, and Coindesk is probably one of the premier publications in the space. And so uh, they they organize a very good event, and they have uh, great participants that um, have good insights, you know, not not sort of... uh, a surface knowledge, but you know, really good insights in terms of what's going on in the space from all facets of of the industry. Great. Well, we are going to take a break in a moment, and when we come back, I want to find out how we can learn more from you, Christina. You know, where you're um, going to be speaking next, and all those great things. Because uh, when we find um, someone who knows what they're talking about, we you want to follow them maybe stalk them is another expression we would use but (laughs) (laughs) we're going to be back in a moment on the tech cat show and just hear a little bit more from christina dolan who is leading the charge um, building a new business um, in the insurance vertical leveraging blockchain and and sort of uh, being a really industry leader in helping us um, understand this um, exciting new marketplace which i'm now going to call it because you've taught me that that is a a good way to explain it so we're going to be back in a moment on the tech cat show with christina dropping insights and uh, and stalking her looking for exciting video content live and on demand visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else that's voiceamerica.tv tune in now If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back on the Tech Cat Show talking to Christina Dolan, who is um, deep in the heart of the blockchain industry, and she just formed a company called IX Ledger, or not just formed, but is deeply involved in the insurance vertical. Um, and Christina, where, where are you sort of sharing some of your insights? Are you um, writing a lot? Are you blogging? Are you tweeting? You know, what's your way of, of sharing your thought leadership? Well, I, I do do a lot of um, social media sharing uh, across a variety of different channels, but I speak a lot um, at a variety of different conferences. I'm actually heading out to uh, Istanbul to participate in a uh, fintech conference that's being organized by Oracle, um, and specifically uh, for fintech insurance uh, and the use of these new technologies. Um, I'm also speaking at Bloomberg on Thursday um, with uh, a woman from Homeland Security and 
um, someone else that's from the sort of regulatory side, uh, and then going to be participating in a number of events over the course of the next couple of weeks. I actually think I speak at least once a week these days. <laughs> I, I bet because um, this is such a, a, a hot topic right now. Um, do you, do you envision that you know you'll be um, leading the charge, you know, in the insurance sector, maybe throwing events around that vertical, or do you think the blockchain events will be, you know, just more generic around um, just the le- leveraging the marketplace as opposed to category specific? Well, what's interesting about insurance is that insurance is actually involved in in other types of categories, right? So if you insure cars, you're involved in the car space, right? I mean, if you're involved with cyber insurance, you're involved with the cyber uh, industry. And so our industry does actually work closely um, with a number of other different types of uh, market marketplaces, for, for lack of a better word. Um, and, and so as a result of that, we are constantly talking to um, people and organizations in the space because one of the things that I think blockchain facilitates is the ability to introduce new types of products uh, for the insurance space that require a lot more data, right? And Because da- blockchain is a really good data organizer, and it organizes in such a way that when you bring a number of parties together, they all have little shards of data relative to an entity, an asset, a person. Um, each of those entities gets to control and set the rules in terms of how how they enable access to that data, right? So um, we are focused in insurance and specifically in, in insurance. Or, you know, we're actually uh, getting ready to announce something which we're really excited about, but we're not ready to announce it quite yet. Um, but what we are finding is that the opportunity to create a marketplace in which the companies that are underwriting um, these new types of insurance have access to data um, is actually something that makes this type of a marketplace very compelling. And um, sort of, I think, matched up perfectly to how blockchain will best, you know, suit the industries. In other words, when you were talking earlier about the role that data is going to play and why blockchain and data sort of industries that generate a lot of data are the ones that will be profoundly impacted by blockchain. So it it does totally make sense to me. And it also makes insurance interesting again. <laughs> I know, I know. But I think that you know, in, insurance requires a lot of paperwork and a lot of data and a lot of um, interaction. And I think that what's interesting about blockchain is that it allows for the management of workflows and the management of uh, access to data in a way that... Um, sort of matches the requirements of that industry. And obviously, insurance works with a lot of other industries, too. So um, it's an interesting marketplace to be working with uh, because I think that uh, the insurance industry is very risk-averse, right? (laughs) It wants a lot of data, but it also wants to generate revenue from new products. And so for these new products, it becomes an interesting approach to... uh, bring together what's needed to create new revenue opportunities. Yeah, and you were mentioning early on that um, what, what's so great about about um, blockchain or even Bitcoin is that um, you can assess you can assess risk, right? So it allows you to land the plane a bit because of that ledger. Yes, right? exactly, exactly. I mean, so um, you know, the, the way to determine risk is by uh, having access to data and then being able to assess that data um, in whatever form it might exist in order to determine, um, you know, what, what's going on, right? And underwriters, you know, use years and years and years of history of data to sort of uh, assume what are the characteristics of, of risk, and, you know, they create very extensive models around that. Um, but there are new requirements that are evolving over time, and there's new models. Like I mentioned, parametric insurance that's driven off data, right? That's a much more efficient mechanism for um, sort of executing a claim because it's driven on data, right? Um, whereas a, a typical, you know, insurance claim 
that whereby both parties are, are challenging each other and lawyers are involved is actually quite costly, right? Because both sides are sort of debating, um, you know, wh- what the loss value is and determining what that claim should be. And so a lot of time is lost. Uh, a lot of money is invested in that process. So taking the approach of utilizing data-driven models, and while they may not cover 100% of the risk, they cover enough of the risk, maybe actually at a lower price and a much more effective approach, right? So data-driven business models can will evolve as a result of having that data accessible um, through a trusted mechanism that a number of parties can participate in to control the access to the data they're contributing. Hmm. It really is a community more than most people, I think, really understand um, that it's going to be um, in so many ways. So, um, Christina, where can people find you? Well, I, uh, I'm on LinkedIn a lot and uh, Twitter, and I'm constantly posting there. Um, but I'm also speaking at lots and lots of conferences, and I, I tend to post where I'll be speaking next on my social media. Um, I also have a page called Inside Chains where I, I try to post um, where I'll be speaking in the future as well. And is it at Christina Dolan? Is that your, your uh, hashtag for people following you? Yes, that's it. That, that's so cool. And um, I, I wanted to ask you one question because I have so many friends that um, who are involved in this that have fled to Puerto Rico. <laughs> is, that, is that like a real thing that Puerto Rico is going to be the home for cryptocurrency or is that just another funny, you know, uh, overhyped trend? Well, it's interesting because I, I know that they've uh, put together a, a number of incentives to get people interested, like uh, no capital gains, um, you know, businesses, I, I guess, uh, pay smaller uh, amounts of tax on, on their businesses. Um, I, I think that they're uh, looking for ways to create new types of banking um, Entities that have uh, maybe a little bit of a different approach than some of the regulated traditional ones in the states, and maybe hoping to compete with the the islands and some of these offshore um, tax havens. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I I know a number of people who are are looking at that uh, as a mechanism to uh, you know bypass to, to some vacation. regulatory hurdles. <laughs> <laughs> right to bypass a lot of stuff going on everywhere else. Well, we're gonna have to um, we're gonna have to close for the for the day. But um, it's been fabulous talking to Christina Dolan, who's the co-founder and COO of IX Ledger, and I know you're going to be taking on different roles there as well, which is an alternative blockchain marketplace for insurance, and really giving us the download on um, on the, the infrastructure around what has created this world, and then a lot of the positive things that are going to spin out of it. So this has been such a great. Um, conversation as part of our series um, on the blockchain and sort of really understanding the the economies of scale with it as well and, and the industries that are all going to be impacted by it. So thank you so much, Christina. It's been great having you. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Lori. I, I feel like I'm the smartest tech cat around now when it comes to the blockchain. <laughs> so everyone, you are. <laughs> so you can check out Christina at Christina Dolan, and um, also um, you know feel free to Google um, IX Ledger, and I'm sure we'll be hearing more from her. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next week on the Tech Cat Show. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 